Welcome to Exodus, California. I'm your host, Joanne Kraft, and my husband, Paul, will be your co-host as we share our story about how we left California and made our home in the rolling hills of Tennessee. Exodus, California is a podcast for Californians who've had enough and are getting ready to pull the trigger and make that move out of a state they once loved. Some of you may be thinking of moving to Arizona or Idaho. Many more of you will land in Texas or even Nevada. But for those of you thinking about Tennessee, this podcast is where you'll discover lots of valuable information on just how to make that move. There's a mass exodus out of the Golden State happening today. The beautiful Western State was once a coveted destination for millions of families who moved there because they wanted better opportunities, better weather, and the freedom to enjoy both. But sadly, California is not the same today. I'm a third generation Californian and I completely understand all the reasons you fell in love with California. But I also understand all the reasons you're thinking about leaving her now. On our show, we'll talk about all those questions you have about moving to Tennessee, things like taxes, real estate prices, churches, public schools, crime rates, tornadoes, and yes, we'll even talk about the one thing that scares a Californian most of all, humidity. Once we moved our family to Tennessee, our company has not stopped and we seriously love it. We just love having people here. We've shown so much real estate and so many have fallen in love with the state we moved to. I'm telling you, the word is out. Many have moved here and we don't just talk to our family. We talk to friends and friends of friends and even strangers on a weekly basis. People who wanna know all the details about how we did what we did. When we moved to Tennessee with no friends waiting, no family here to help us, and no job on the horizon. And honestly, it was the best decision we have ever made. We pray this podcast encourages you, answers some questions, and gives you the help you need to start planning your very own exodus from California. Welcome to the Exodus California podcast. I am your host today, Joanne Kraft, and I am joined with my co-host, Paul Kraft. Hey there, everybody. And today we're going to be talking about myth busters. Uh, What are those things that Californians believe uh, that are really and truly myths? They're false, false beliefs about the state of Tennessee. And we came up with, I think right now, about six myths that we hear Californians believing or thinking that hold them back from Tennessee. And we're always finding when we talk to people that they're surprised at what we're doing in Tennessee, what's happening out here, because one, because California is such a big state, all of your news tends to be California-centric, and the nationwide media tends to echo the policies and the the news that happens in New York and happens in California. Really, if it doesn't happen in those two places, especially on the East Coast, the media rarely covers it. I mean, they've had 90 days of rioting in Portland, and it barely gets a mention on the news media. But if you had 90 days of rioting in New York City, that would be on the news every night. So part of it is just the media uh, that people are consuming that just that doesn't really show a nationwide view of what's happening. There's one thing that I have to talk about that has absolutely nothing to do with busting the myths. And that is we have over 1,100 downloads. That's just one uh, site that holds our, our podcast. And there are a lot of people that are actually hearing this and being encouraged. And 
I think that's pretty cool because I know how much you really wanted to do this. I told you I told you when we started that I don't know what my star power and charisma is going to do, but here we are with uh, over 1100 downloads, so I don't know. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know us personally, uh, and maybe you've watched Parks and Rec, the comedy, the TV show, I am married to Ron Swanson. So in order to have him do a podcast, I do hope you will do one thing that you will like and subscribe or share our podcast with those people you care about, those people who need some hope uh, and encouragement with what they're going through right now in California, because I need some encouragement to keep my husband taping these podcasts. But also, too, we've had 1,100 downloads, and I know that downloads don't mean that you listen. And so if you meet us, you know, don't. Don't be dishonest and say, oh, I love your podcast. I've listened to every episode if you haven't. Here's how I'll know that you've listened. When we meet, if you say, you know what, Paul, you're right. You do have a face for radio. Then I'll know you've listened to the podcast. Oh, my gosh. And we actually have. We've been having coffee with Californians coming in quite. And we had an extremely busy weekend. So mm-hmm. ultimately, we want to sell you real estate and get you here in Calif- or from California to Tennessee to help make your life better. We're not trying to convince you to leave. But for those of you who've decided that California has basically kicked you out of the state you once loved, we want to help you make Tennessee home. We're finding that the best salesperson for the state of Tennessee is Governor Gavin Newsom. Thank you. Thank you. How many people can say that like we can? Thank mm-hmm. you, Gavin Newsom. So to start off with our list of mythbusters, we're going to begin with the number one thing that every single solitary Californian I have ever met who knows we live in Tennessee, this is the one thing they are scared to death of, the one thing that brings fear to their bones, and that is humidity. But let's not pretend like we were above that. That was our major concern, too. And when we first moved out here, when we first thought about moving out here, we came out and visited, and we intentionally came out in the summertime because we had that same concern. Is that something that we could tolerate? Because we've heard all the horror stories about how terrible it is and how humid it is. And when we came out here two times to visit, uh, both times about June, July, we didn't experience a problem. Uh, We found it to be very, very tolerable. You'll feel it, but it actually feels kind of nice most of the time. And I will say, though, the people who do have a harder time are the people that live on the ocean. Uh, because we were we were kind of primed to come here by living in the Sacramento area uh, the last 12 years before we moved to Tennessee. And I would, you know, the people that live in that area should have no problem. Well, sure. Everybody's going to be more sensitive to the weather no matter where they're coming from. I mean, if, if somebody's lived, you know, in the frozen tundra of Alaska and they come down to San Francisco, they're probably going to think that they're living in the desert. It's going to be so warm. So, I mean, depending on where you're coming from, you're going to have more sensitivity to it. But if you've lived in L.A., if you've lived in uh, the Central Valley, uh, Sacramento, you're probably not really going to have a problem with the humidity here. Now, if you've lived on the coast, you know, Red Bluff, uh, Eureka, up in those areas, uh, then, yeah, it may be a little bit more intense, the humidity. But can't really think of more than maybe two or three days in the eight years we've been here that it has been terrible. And for those people who are really paying attention to California politics and are sick to their stomach every time they turn on the news or every time they see a new mandate about how you're supposed to eat in restaurants or between bites or whatever Newsom is doing, I have a hard time understanding why humidity would even be something that would hold you back to begin with. Well, as 
as we like to say, we can either have the humidity of Tennessee or the stupidity of California, and I'll pick humidity. Yeah, you said that to me quite often before we moved, right? When you were about to have a logic stroke, you said before mm-hmm. we left. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of encouragement. We would tell you if you're thinking of moving out here, start looking at the weather apps, start looking at a Tennessee, maybe you're looking at Knoxville or Memphis or Chattanooga or Nashville, start looking at a side-by-side weather app to see your city and that and the city you're looking in that you're interested in. I have a dear friend who lives in the Bay Area and they just had a 97 degree day in October. So, I mean, that day we were in the high 60s. So just pay attention between the apps. I think that'll help. So let's get to the second of our Mythbusters, and that would surround tornadoes. One of the questions we get from Californians is, what about tornadoes? I'm going to be completely transparent, and I share this a lot with people that I meet for coffee. When they ask me about tornadoes, what did I tell you I would do when we got here? Um, that you would put on your tinfoil hat and hide in the closet. That is not what I said at all. That's what ended up happening. That did. That only happened once. I. How many times is okay? I, I wasn't wearing a tinfoil hat. Let's okay. So I told you when I was panicked, I started looking up YouTube videos from 14 years ago. That you would wear a bicycle helmet everywhere you went. Yes, I did. I said I would wear it to the library, to the grocery store. I'm going to wear a bike helmet during tornado season. Now, again, you have been true to your word. Yeah. And again, we lived through the 89 quake that happened. Uh, You know, we in California, uh, we've lived through earthquakes all our life. That's how we were raised. So coming to a tornado state did scare me. It didn't bother me at all because When I think about the tornadoes that have made national news, I didn't recall any in Tennessee, Texas, Missouri, Mississippi, Alabama, but I couldn't recall any in Tennessee. And so I thought, well, let's look at what the facts are. We did have a very terrible and deadly tornado that came through this winter right before COVID. So we we definitely aren't downplaying the threat of a tornado. It was heartbreaking. It was terrible. The chances, though, of those happening here are very slim. It's it's the same as if uh, you heard of somebody dying in an earthquake, or I guess I, I would say like the Los Angeles quake. Remember, they had that one in the 90s. That was that was terrible. Northridge. Yes, that's right. And so, and even in, in the one in 89, we had over 60 people killed in that Bay Area earthquake, but that was the freeway that collapsed. And I'm not 100% sure of all the reasons why there were so many deaths in Cookville, Tennessee this winter, but I heard that it that it possibly was due to a faulty um, warning system that had gone out during the winds or whatever. So I'm not 100% sure as to why the people in that area didn't get the warning or if they did, but I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but the odds are very slim. And no matter where you go, you're going to have weather, and, and anytime you have weather, you run the risk of getting some extreme weather, and you always run the risk of uh, there being damage to property and even fatalities. But what you have to do is, again, look at the numbers. So when we decided to come out here, we we took a look at that. So in Tennessee, there is an average of 18 tornadoes per year, and there's a yearly average of five fatalities from those tornadoes. Now that's in a state of roughly 6.8 million people. Most of those tornadoes uh, barely touch down. They rarely cause damage. Every once in a while, you'll get one that does. 
Similar to earthquakes. Most earthquakes don't cause any damage. Most of them don't result in any fatalities, but on occasion you'll get one that does. One of the nice things about being in Tennessee and, and one of the unique characteristics of tornadoes and hurricanes is that you can kind of see them coming. They do have tornado watches and tornado warnings because you can get the weather and you can see that these are the conditions that are ripe for tornadoes. For example, if it's 80 degrees out and there's not a cloud in the sky and you're in the middle of summer, there's no wind blowing, there's no tornadoes there. But they can tell when the conditions are right for a tornado and they can give you a warning. There is no warning with an earthquake. There's no way to guess when an earthquake is going to happen. So to give you a comparison, in California, California averages over 2,900 earthquakes every single year. And so you have far more earthquakes in California than you do tornadoes, even adjusting for size. And uh, every once in a while, you get a big earthquake that causes a lot of damage and even fatalities. But it's really nothing that should prevent you or scare you about moving to Tennessee. What's scary, though, as a Californian, was getting weather alerts when you've never had a weather alert. And there was that one time your mom and dad were here, and I did make your mom get in the closet with me with a bag of oranges and a deck of cards. And I know you were very mocking because you were traveling and you heard that I put your mom in the closet. But it is scary as a Californian getting a weather alert when you've never had a weather alert before. But you know what? It's never been a problem. Yes, you get the weather alerts. You just take appropriate precautions. And if you're really scared, I will let you borrow my custom-made tinfoil hat to wear during tornado season. We should sell those. That would be hilarious. Um, Californians, you'll know who you are in Tennessee because we are the ones outside pointing at the amazing clouds and the huge storms. Everybody else is uh, on the first floor hiding in their basement, and Paul and I are usually on our rocking chair uh, having a tea and going, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. All right. Mythbuster number four, that the South is more racist than other parts of the country. Now... We're not downplaying that, yes, racism exists. It exists across all cultures. It exists across all nationalities. And it exists across all of America. There are pockets and there are instances of racism no matter where you go. But the myth that's been perpetuated by and large by Hollywood and the media is that somehow the South is uniquely racist or that we're still perpetuating racist beliefs and policies here. And that's just not the case. Part of that is because the way that the media portrays things and the way that Hollywood portrays things, it helps perpetuate that. So every single year, Hollywood comes out with a movie about how racist the South was in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s during that time period. But it's interesting, you don't really see too many movies coming out about how racist the South was in the 2000s or the 2010s or even the 1990s. It's always from the 40s, 50s, and 60s when, yes... The South had segregation. Yes, they had racism, but we don't anymore. And one of the problems I always have is, why is there no uh, ability for the South to rehabilitate itself and to say, we're not that anymore? We don't have segregated drinking fountains. We don't have segregated schools. The other problem I have with it is Hollywood doesn't put out a movie at all about, for example, how the Asians were treated when they came to San Francisco. And how racist San Francisco was against them in the early 1900s. And how terribly treated they were 
just because of where they came from. There's also no movies that come out on a yearly basis about how Japanese Americans were ripped from their California homes and lost their California property by Californians and shipped off to internment camps during World War II. So imagine your perception of California if every single year a movie came out to remind you of how terribly Asians were treated in the early 1900s or how terribly the Japanese Americans were treated in California during World War II. Your perception of California would be far different than what it is. And I think you would have a far different perception of California and of the South if Atlanta had made movies and not Hollywood. But because it's Hollywood, all you hear about is the South, but you don't hear about California and the movie industry's own racism. For example, the first black person to win an Oscar was Hattie McDaniel, who played the maid uh, Mammy in Gone with the Wind. She won that in 1940. And it was at the Coconut Grove restaurant in the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, which was a segregated restaurant. She wasn't even allowed in because it had a strict policy that no black people were allowed. They did, as a concession, give her a small table at the very back of the room so that she could be in the room when her name was announced. But otherwise, they had no uh, other uh, black people allowed in the theater. And this was the Oscars. This is Hollywood itself. They don't put that movie out there uh, to tell you those things. After Hattie McDaniel won her Oscar, it would be another 50 years before a black female won another Oscar when Whoopi Goldberg won hers for Ghost. So do you mean to tell me that in 50 years, no black female was good enough to win an Oscar? And again, this is Hollywood, and this is going into the 80s and 90s. We're not talking about 40s, 50s, 60s. We're talking about 80s and 90s. And it was just 2016, when it was, the hashtag was Oscars so white. So up until 2016, the Oscars had a problem with race. But yet you don't see Hollywood putting out a movie every single year, one or two. And of course, if you want to guarantee yourself a Best Picture nomination, make a movie about racism in the South. You're guaranteed to get at least a Best Picture nomination and more than likely the award. What's the name of the guy in Atlanta who does the movies? Now he's got his own movie. Oh, goodness. Well, there's two of them. So you have Tyler Perry, who's the... Uh, one who's the bigger name, uh, who does all the Medea movies. And then you also have um, Donald Glover, who does um, the television show uh, out of Georgia. Well, didn't he do do Community? He was also on Community as a Best Supporting Actor, but he really made a name, uh, or not as a Best Supporting Actor, but as a Supporting Actor. But he did uh, another show that was based out of Atlanta. And one of the questions to ask yourself is, why does probably, I would think, Tyler Perry is probably the the biggest name producer and director uh, of movies, who's African-American, why does he choose to do it in Atlanta instead of Hollywood? Is it because Hollywood might not welcome him with open arms? I mean, I'm just speculating, but you know, this notion that the South is more racist than any place else is largely played out by Hollywood, but yet California's own racist history is ignored by Hollywood. Well, wasn't there something that happened in the news recently, too, uh, about a woman yelling at somebody in L.A.? I thought we were talking about that. Yeah, yeah, there was some woman yelling at, or I think it was L.A. or San Francisco, yelling at a Chinese a woman about how terrible Chinatown is and filthy and they eat rats and cats. And it was it was pretty terrible. Yeah, that's out of, I believe it was out of San Francisco, actually. And I was actually just talking to a relative of mine who lives in the Bay Area and the town that we grew up in. And she was telling me that it was a fact that African-Americans couldn't live in the town we lived in, in Alameda County, in the 50s. If you go to... Some of these older towns like Los Angeles, any pretty much any town in the Bay Area, look for a house that was built uh, in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Pull up the CCNRs. 
it says right in the CCNRs that that house can only be sold to a white person. This is California, but yet Hollywood doesn't put out a movie every year about this. Hollywood also had a time period in the 70s where they had a whole genre of film called black exploitation films that basically portrayed black people as criminals, uh, convicts, uh, and Hollywood exploited them for purposes of making money off of them. And you can go back to any 70s movie like your Dirty Harry's, Charles Bronson movies, and usually they'll have your stereotype of what Hollywood thought a black uh, person was, a criminal, a convict. Uh, And so those whole genre of films portray Hollywood racism. But again, you don't see a movie come out every year talking about that. Well, you can't compare... I mean, what happened during the Civil War years, uh, you know, and even in the early part of the turn of the century to what to California racism. I mean, let's just be honest. It doesn't make as great of a air quotes movie as what happened here in the South. And it was pretty horrifying. Well, yes. I mean, what happened in the South was horrifying. But California had their own examples that are very similar to the South. Most people don't know that California schools were segregated. And in fact, before Brown versus the Board of Education, which was the big case that desegregated the schools, in California there was a case called uh, Mendez versus Westminster, which was decided in 1947. This is before Brown versus the Board of Education, and, and Earl Warren was the governor of California, who later went on to be the chief justice of the Supreme Court, and that was the court that decided Brown versus the Board. But in Mendez versus Westminster in Los Angeles, Los Angeles had a policy of putting American citizens who are of Mexican descent into their own separate schools and segregating the schools out. And um, one of the attorneys that filed a lawsuit against Los Angeles was Thurgood Marshall, who made a name for himself as a civil rights attorney and later went on to become a justice of the Supreme Court. But they sued Los Angeles over this racist, segregationist policy that took place in 1947. But yet you don't see a movie come out every single year talking about Los Angeles racial segregation policy. And regarding the violence um, in Los Angeles, there was uh, a lot of Asian prejudice and animosity. And in fact, in the late 1800s, there was basically a massacre of Asian Americans by uh, white and Hispanic people. About 500 white and Hispanic people killed several Asian American people and just, what was this, a straight up racist killing. And again, the point is not to say, oh, the South is better in California or California is better in the South. The point is your perception is skewed by Hollywood. And let me say it in a little bit more raw terms than your eloquent way. I see a lot of pretentiousness with Californians. We've talked to a lot who seem to still believe that only racism exists in the South. And that is just shocking because when you really start looking at the facts, you learn that's not the truth. And that's the that's my point is that people would have a far different perception if Hollywood portrayed California the way that they portray the South. It's not to deny the history of what happened in the South, but it's saying that you're not getting a complete history, which is why you have a skewed perception. If you only hear one side of the story, you're going to have a skewed view of what reality is. Okay, so I have a funny Hollywood story that I have to share about our family. Uh, Just your love of Hollywood is just dripping and oozing into this podcast. But when our kids were little, I remember one of our kids coming to the table and announcing, she was a teenager, but announcing that it was uh, Angela Jolie's birthday. And I remember you saying to her, wow, does Angela Jolie know when it's your birthday? Does she call you on your birthday? 
do you guys have coffee and hang out? And it was just so, you know, you're like, oh, that's, that's a breath of fresh air. You're like, wow. Okay. That's so true. They don't care about me. I don't remember ever getting a call for, or a card from anybody, uh, from Hollywood celebrating my birthday. So, which is perfectly fine. No, I understand that. But your love of Hollywood is, is clear. But I think, I think the thing that drives you the the baddiest is just the huge hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of Hollywood, and that people, I, I hope, are more willing to uh, just kind of look behind the curtain. I wouldn't necessarily use the word hypocrisy. Uh, I would more use uh, the word of propaganda in that they're not giving you the full story. They're giving you a little bit of truth that, yes, there were uh, there was a race problem in the South. There was violence surrounding that. There's no doubt about it that, um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. had to march to get voting rights uh, in uh, Alabama and, and Mississippi. And so, yes, those things happened. But the the general perception seems to be that California had no problem. They're far superior and had no problem with race in their history. And the South is still uh, racist. And that's just not the case. And you can go back to the history books and and see these things, but you actually have to search, you actually have to search it out because Hollywood's not putting out movies about this every single year like they do about the South. So one of the metrics that you can look at are statistics, and one of the statistics that is commonly used to you know evaluate racism is hate crimes because hate crimes are have been determined to be based upon the victims, generally race, ethnicity, and so when you look at that number you actually see there's not a huge difference between California and Tennessee. So looking at the FBI statistics from 2018, and anybody can go to the FBI's website and see this, in California, there were 2.73 hate crimes for every 100,000 people. In Tennessee, there were 2.55 hate crimes for every 100,000 people. So if you're just using that metric alone, California is a more racist state than Tennessee. But yet nobody would argue that California is a racist state or that they have a problem with racism, even though California has more hate crimes per 100,000 than Tennessee does. So this myth that racism is a bigger problem in the South than any place else just isn't true. California and Tennessee have this, about the same number of hate crimes per 100,000. Mythbuster number five, that Tennesseans are uneducated. Well... First of all, we don't use the word uneducated. <laughs> that just perpetuates the myth. <laughs> but it's, I mean, we're joking about it. But truthfully, how well is our education system here compared to California? Well, you know, again, when you're talking about a huge state like California, I mean, you're talking schools all the way from Eureka down to San Diego and San Francisco to South Lake Tahoe. So, you know, you can't really say there's no good schools in California because there is. And, and you can't say that all the schools in Tennessee are great because they're not. But as a general rule, uh, you're going to find the schools in Tennessee are going to perform better and the students are going to come out better prepared than schools in California. One thing you can say with 100% surety is that Tennessee does not have the overreach. They don't act as a, like a parent to our kids here like they do in California. Parents can't even opt out anymore for vaccines. Uh, that's just going to get worse for parents. Well, here, Tennessee sees schools as education centers, whereas, quite frankly, California sees them as indoctrination centers. One of the things that you know politicians figured out is that the younger you can start to indoctrinate kids, 
the more likely they are to follow the policies of the government uh, later on in life. And so they have a situation where California is constantly trying to bring things into the school that really just have no business being in the school. Uh, the schools are there to educate, uh, not indoctrinate. I think that is where I do get frustrated because if I hear that there are Californians uh, coming to Tennessee to enlighten, I'm using air quotes, enlighten Tennesseans, that's very frustrating to me because I just want to say, well, why, why, if it's so great, just stay and enjoy the system that you've helped create there, you know? Well, one of the things I like to say is that, you know, for people that are, are moving to Tennessee who, you know, think that, you know, California is great uh, or that, you know, California politics and policies are great, uh, you know, just Tennessee just needs to adopt those. I just like to remind them that if California politics and policies worked, you wouldn't be leaving and moving someplace else. And the other question I would have to ask is, if you believe that Tennessee is not performing up to your standard, what are they failing in? And I have yet to have anybody really give me a good answer to that question. I mean, people that are moving here, yes, if you have somebody who loves California, who thinks California is the greatest thing since sliced bread and there's nothing wrong there, yes, they can find plenty of problems. But somebody who's moving from California because of its current condition to Nashville because they like its current condition, I always ask, what is Tennessee not doing right? Exactly. So... Why don't you share a little bit about the schools here? Uh, the schools here were the reason. I mean, they're like amazing compared to California. We just met with some people this weekend that were shocked, and they were from Marin County as to how great the schools are here, the public schools even. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, again, Tennessee just does some things a little bit differently in how they uh, decide to run the schools. Tennessee has a philosophy that kids should be uh, job ready when they graduate high school for certain careers and professions. Not every kid is designed to go to college. Not every kid wants to go to college. Some kids either don't do well in school or they don't enjoy school. That's not an interest of theirs. But rather than pigeonhole them into college is your only option, Tennessee presents other options for kids when they graduate from high school. They're ready to go out into the workforce into some type of career choice that they like. And they may decide they want to advance further in that and may require a college degree for that. But there's also other opportunities for them to succeed here through technical schools, which uh, anybody who graduates from a Tennessee high school can go to at no cost to them. It came at a cost to the taxpayer. There's no such thing as free. But the TCAT schools are paid for by the taxpayer so that the kid graduated from high school does not have to go into debt to pursue a career in air conditioning or uh, cosmetics. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. That gives people, and not just that, it allows your education, those of you who want to go back to school, there's a program that the state has here in Tennessee. I think it's called Reconnect, Tennessee Reconnect, where you can so. go back and go back to college, which is fantastic. All right, our last one, Mythbuster number six, that Tennesseans hate Californians, and if you move here, you're not going to be welcome here. I will share this very bold truth Tennesseans are very polite, way more polite than any Californian you'll ever meet. They are kind. They are very, very polite. When somebody from California says, do you want to go for coffee? They do mean it. When somebody says in, ten you know, in Tennessee, do you want to go for coffee? They're just being polite. Not all the time, but sometimes. Quite a bit. Uh, Californians are not hated here, though I did want to take my plates off very quickly and assimilate into the world that they've created here that I appreciate and I love very much. So what Tennesseans don't like, 
are Californians that are coming here to make Tennessee like California. Tennesseans love Californians that are coming here to make Tennessee stronger and to continue the path that Tennessee has been on for the past 10, 15, 20 years. So there's that idea that, oh, if I, you know, I'm going to have a hard time fitting in socially or I'm going to have a hard time, you know, working here. And that's just not the case. Number one, nobody is from Tennessee that lives in the Nashville area. Almost everybody you meet is going to be from someplace else. So Michigan is a popular spot or a popular um, state where people move from. Ohio, New York. So you're going to find that everybody's from someplace else. So even though you may not meet a lot of Californians here, you will meet a lot of people who moved here from out of state. And so they share that same uh, spirit with you. And for those of you who are maybe have a military background or a police background like we do, there's just this family feel when you come here, uh, when they get to know you. I, I like to tell Tennesseans here, my Tennessean friends, I, I like to say, Californians make stronger Tennesseans than even you Tennesseans, because we've just come from a state that basically said, eh, we don't like you very much anymore. And we came here on purpose to your state, to Tennessee, and we love what you've done with the place. Thank you. And we will enjoy every little bit of it. And so when we moved here back eight years ago or so, uh, I had two strikes against me. One, I was from California, and two, I was an attorney. So you would think Wait, I, might... I thought you were going to say two, you were from Canada. Well, no, <laughs> that's, that's not, not from Canada. And so um, you would think that maybe there would be a harder time for me fitting in. But I can honestly say I've never encountered that. I've never gotten the impression that somebody wasn't willing to do business with me or wasn't willing to help me. Um, I ended up getting into a group of business people, about three or four other attorneys. And if I had a question about something, how they did things here in Tennessee, I never once got pushback or, hey, we're not going to help you. Or even a delay, like getting back to me in two or three days to just try to make things difficult. Very welcoming, very open. And you're going to find that. Tennessee's slogan is we're the volunteer state and part of that is an attitude that the state holds that we're going to help people and that includes helping people that move here from out of state that again want to make Tennessee a stronger state on the path that it's been on for the past several years. And now as Tennesseans ourselves, now we have a heart to help Californians. So if you're looking to move to Tennessee you can find us at movingtotennessee.net or you can email us at movingtotennessee at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. Uh, we really do mean it when we say we're willing to meet with you for coffee. What I do find is when we do meet with people for coffee, it's usually married couples now, and one wants us to convince the other one of leaving California. We don't want to convince you to leave. If we have to convince you to leave, you can be convinced to leave Tennessee too. We want to help those who already are convinced California is not for them anymore. And I, I was actually, I don't really get the impression that we're trying to convince them. It's one spouse is 100% committed. They've done the research, they've done the homework, and they have no more reservations. And you have one spouse who thinks, yeah, I think this is a good idea, but I'm really concerned about X, Y, or Z. And so really it's more us removing those reservations or countering it with the truth and the facts of what actually happens here. And that helps them reach the same conclusion that, yeah, Tennessee's the right place to go because both spouses have usually reached the conclusion that California is not where they want to be. 
And for those Californians who don't want to come here, what I always find, there's three things. There's three reasons why somebody digs their heels in. One, uh, family. And I can never compete with family. I can't. There's a woman and her husband who are moving here from California, have like 18 grandkids. When I talked to her on the phone, I said, there's no way I could never give you any reason or any fact that's going to beat or trump a uh, 18 year, 18 grandkids. So one is family. The second I would just say is fear, fear of the unknown. Uh, and the third is complacency, a comfort Uh, They've lived there all their life. They don't know anything else. And that's usually when we say, if they have kids, uh, what about your kids? Joanne's right. When it comes to family, there's nothing you can do. There's no statistic you can quote. There's no economy that's good enough that will, you know, alleviate the emotion of potentially having family left behind. That's just something you're going to have to come to on your own, where you decide we've got to make this move, much like Europeans did when they came to America and crossed the Atlantic Ocean. They had to make that very tough decision to leave family with no ability to FaceTime, text, email, or even fly back. Uh, You can get from here to California in six hours from the time you leave the airport to the time you land in California. So it's not as though you're leaving your family behind uh, like Europeans did in the 1800s. But the complacency aspect of it, the analogy we like to use is the frog in a pot of water. If you take a pot of hot boiling water and throw a frog in it, the frog will immediately jump out. But if you put a frog into a pot of cold water and turn the heat on, the frog will stay in there because it gets used to that water. It gets comfortable, not realizing that ultimately that water is going to lead to its, that boiling water is going to lead to its death. And that's really how we feel about California, that a lot of people are just comfortable in that pot of boiling water, not realizing that it's causing them harm and, and is likely to continue to do so. I have this this quote that I want to read that I absolutely love. It's by Stephen Curtis Chapman, and it's and he says the first step of courage isn't taken in the midst of a battle; it's taken when you're willing to walk onto the battlefield and face the unknown. And the other favorite quote I like to say is, "If you want something bad enough, you'll find a way, or you'll make an excuse." That's really good. I like that. Well, I don't want to make this kind of a bashing California podcast, so I want to end with a positive note today, and that is something that California has given Tennessee that we're incredibly grateful for. Did they finally get good sourdough here for you? No, they did not. Um, But it arrived just a couple days ago, and it is a three-year-old giraffe named Tazama who arrived from the San Diego Zoo. This little, this teenager giraffe was born in captivity at the San Diego Zoo. Hey, let me see if I got this straight. Even giraffes are fleeing California? Yes, giraffes are leaving California. <laughs> only, you would, only you would notice that. For those of you who do come and check out Tennessee, one of the things we tell people, there is nothing like being here. Boots on the ground is the most important way to get to know whether this place is going to be a good fit for you or not. You need to be around the people the lifestyle, the culture, the food, the music. Because one of the things that people tell us when we meet with them, we do meet with them for coffee, because Jan mentioned earlier, you know, people invite you to coffee, they don't really mean it. We do mean it. And one of the things we see when we meet people for coffee is the common comment is, I feel X. I feel a sense of freedom. I feel a sense of a burden being lifted. I feel a sense of joy. And the only way to get that feeling is to actually visit the place that you're looking at moving to. And I can say with complete truth that you are not a feeling person. No, 
you are not a feeling. So for you to say, I feel in those sand bites, you have no idea how much I want to make those sand bites and just, you are not feeling. Well, right now I'm feeling like this conversation needs to move to a conclusion. Thanks for listening to Exodus California. We are so grateful for listeners like you. Show us your appreciation and subscribe and share this podcast with all your friends. If you'd like to receive personalized real estate listings, email us at movingtotennessee at gmail.com. That's movingtotennessee at gmail.com. And let us help you make Tennessee home. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, because we do. When do we? Oh, I said that wrong, didn't I? You did. I said it backwards. Okay. Do you want to say the ending? No. Okay. The theater where the Oscars awards ceremony was held was a segregated theater. She wasn't allowed into the Oscars. Was that the Grauman's Chinese theater? I don't know. See if I don't know the answer for it. <laughs> okay, dear. Barbecue's ready. <laughs>